Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome back to another episode of MS Minute with DCND. I'm your host, Natalie Pugar. Joining me today is Dr. Ken Pugar. Um, and we're going to be talking about aging with MS. So thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Good afternoon. So while MS impacts and affects people of all ages, the typical onset for relapsing MS is a relapsing MS is 20 to 40 years. And it accounts for about 80% of all cases. But what happens to you and your MS as you age? So today we're going to be talking about that. So let's start um, by talking about the general demographics of MS. What are they? Well, typically in the United States and in most other countries in the world, MS has a significant female to male predominance, somewhere between three and four to one. So we see many more females. We consider it a disease of young adults. Now, MS can be reported in children, and I've made a diagnosis of new MS as late as mid-60s. But the vast majority of people who develop multiple sclerosis do so, I'd say, between the ages of 20 and 45. That's when you start noticing things. That's when we'll, they'll develop their first symptom. And as you stated, the majority of multiple sclerosis, about 80%, is exacerbating remitting. That means that someone is normal, they're fine, and then they will have a fairly sudden onset of a neurologic symptom. That symptom many times will completely resolve. We call that a CIS, or clinically isolated syndrome, and it may or may not ever recur, but many times it does, and it could be any other than symptom as we move down the line. So the first symptom may be a loss of vision in one eye, and that might last for, let's say, three, four weeks, and totally go away. Patient thinks they're out of the woods, and then perhaps, though, eight, 12 months down the road, they'll develop numbness or weakness to one of their arms or legs or poor balance or poor bladder control, whatever that may be. As we move forward, we call those flare-ups exacerbations. And most patients early on have an exacerbating and remitting course. So when we're talking about age, um, those those uh, exacerbations then reappear later in life. They do, but what classically happens is we see multiple sclerosis now as a disease that has different stages, and we don't know how long that first stage of exacerbations will last. It could be five years, 10 years, 20 years, but almost always as time goes on, the patient will quit having exacerbations. That just no longer becomes part of their disease. And we there's a transgression into what we call a secondary progressive form of the disease, where the patient still may slowly continue to get worse over time, but they don't have those big flare-ups anymore. 
That's the big change as far as age in multiple sclerosis because we've done a wonderful job, magnificent job in coming up with therapies to treat the exacerbating phase of multiple sclerosis. So we have medications now that almost miraculously can reduce the incidence and the severity of these exacerbations in patients who were early diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So we make a major change in their life because each of those exacerbations likely causes some permanent damage to the brain that we're preventing that from occurring. So the issue is almost all of the MS drugs, in fact, all but one, are FDA approved to prevent exacerbations. What do we do when that phase of the disease is over and they're into what we call the progressive phase of the disease, which is typically in patients who are older? So what age would you Now, say? what's interesting is that depends on when you get it. Okay. And there's not a you know, set age we have to watch out for, but it clearly is a paradigm shift that we have to look at as treating physicians. For instance, we have to determine when do we maybe discontinue these medications. As patients get older, something else happens too. Not only does their MS change many times into the progressive form, their bodies change. I teach my residents, I said, go into any hospital and make rounds and see how many people in there with bad infections, shingles, pneumonia, urinary tract infections, are over 60 versus under 60. See how many malignancies we see when we get older compared to when you're younger. And we believe at least part of that cause is because our immune systems, as we age, they get a little sluggish. And every one of these MS drugs that we use to prevent these exacerbations affects the immune system. So we start becoming concerned with a concept called immunosenescence, which means is the patient as they age, are they gaining more benefit from that drug than the risk they're assuming by taking it as their immune system naturally uh, begins to uh, be less robust. So that's a hard decision we make in neurology is, is there a time when we discontinue those medications that are predominantly designed to prevent exacerbations when an older patient likely isn't getting exacerbations anyway? The tricky part is we don't have a crystal ball and we've all been fooled. There's been some patients who are in their 60s who haven't had an exacerbation in 15 years that I've taken off their medication and boom, they get an exacerbation. It's not common, but it does indeed happen. Yes. So the progressive uh, phase, um, there's no treatment right ah, now. Ah, that's where it's really exciting mm. because I would say yet because there's a very exciting uh, new class of medications called BTK inhibitors that are oral. It's a smaller molecule, so we believe they penetrate into the brain. 
and we believe these molecules may prevent that slowly progressive stage of the mm. disease. Not so much inflammatory, we call it degenerative. So it may help retard progression of things like depression, cognitive dysfunction, uh, perhaps uh, even uh, fatigue. So we're, we're encouraged that it, we may come up with tailor-made therapies, maybe some therapies for the beginning, exacerbating remitting phase, and then transitioning over to a medication when we believe they're in the progressive phase to help prevent that from occurring. Wow. So it's, it's an exciting time. It absolutely is. I mean, even in the last 10 years, just in MS in general, we've talked about this several times on the podcast. Um, and kind of, kind of going along with this, as we're talking about demographics and age, um, life expectancy with MS has improved dramatically, right? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, traditionally when I was a resident, we learned that uh, someone with MS could expect a two to seven year reduction in their life expectancy compared to others. I don't believe that's true at all anymore because number one, when I was a resident starting out, we didn't have any treatments. Yeah. Okay, now we have wonderful treatments. So we are absolutely, when we identify patients younger, we are able to, to suppress the manifestation of their illness and therefore I believe preserve neurons and t to me the majority of my MS patients I expect a normal life expectancy yeah, uh, today. News. So that's the change that's occurred is that we're so much better. Now there's always people at the ends of the bell curve. Sure. There are some people who just have horrible disease or doesn't respond the way we want it to and yes those patients will have more long-term disability issues to deal with and therefore more potential complications, infections, skin breakdown, uh, which can lead to an earlier demise. Okay. So let's kind of break this down and, and back up a little bit. Um, when we're talking about going into that second phase or as we're aging with MS, um, what are some things that start to happen that you're noticing? as a patient ages? Well, like I said, the most important thing for me is since most MS is exacerbating or remitting, we begin to see less exacerbations. Mm -hmm. And the course now becomes more of a slowly progressive process. So there's a hot term the last decade called NEDA, N-E-D-A. That stands for No Evidence of Disease Activity. And we've done really good trying to achieve that. We pat each other on the back saying, look at this, how wonderful. My patient hasn't had any new exacerbations, hasn't had any new lesions on their MRI, and hasn't had any significant progression of disability. So yay, we're, we're doing wonderful. And that is wonderful. That's a whole paradigm shift on, on how we even look at these new drugs. However, as I mentioned to the residents, ask that very same patient who hasn't had an a flare-up in 10 years, hasn't had a new lesion in 10 years, and hasn't had any major change in a disability, ask them if they're doing any worse than they were 10 years ago. And almost all of them will say yes, okay, because it doesn't tell the whole picture. I mentioned things like depression, things like fatigue, cognitive decline. So we begin to see those symptoms become more apparent as an MS patient ages. Even if they there is no significant progression of their physical disability. Mm -hmm. Why is that? I mean, would it be just a natural aging? Is it part of the disease? Is it the well, second I phase? I think it's both. Okay. You know, I think that we've calmed down uh, those active 
inflammatory lesions, you know, that are causing uh, more acute symptoms, we've done a really good job in minimizing those. So we're not seeing those, those, those dramatic physical changes as often as we used to. Which is good news, yes. So what do you do and, and do you treat um, those symptoms differently, the cognitive decline, the, the depression, the fatigue? Well, I do. I mean, we, we there's a whole branch. Remember, for years and years, we didn't have any treatment of the disease. We were left with treating the symptoms, and we still have to treat the symptoms. I'm not here to say that patients with MS don't have any symptoms. They most certainly do. Um, but I don't take any major different approach based on your age. So if you're if you're fatigued, I'll tell you the same thing if you're 30, whether you're 50. You know, if you're if you're spastic, it might be the same thing. Depressed, the same way. It will treat it. What the difference is, is that as you get older, you sometimes don't tolerate those medicines as well. There's more side effects. Your body's not as good at clearing these drugs. Your kidneys have to excrete it. Your liver has to metabolize it that's not as good when you're 60 as it is when you're 20. Mm-hmm. And how do you differentiate what is just normal aging and what is maybe yeah. caused by MS? Yeah, I mean, that's a clinical judgment. Um, so yeah, you talk to any, uh, I always say 45-year-old mother with three kids and you say, are you tired? And they're going to look at you like <laughs> you're from Mars. Of course they're tired. You know, they're exhausted. Or even when you're younger with, a, with an infant. But it's just different. The MS fatigue, for instance, is an overwhelming, all-encompassing fatigue that's not necessarily even remedied by sleep. You know, so uh, it's it's just a I think a bedside subtlety that that you pick up. Okay. So um, when it comes to physical limitations, um, you know, we've come so far with with being able to, you know, rein those in too. But how about uh, learning what is um, something that's caused by the MS as you get older or if it's natural aging yeah. too when it comes to physical disabilities? Well, there's things we look for. I mean, on MS, it's, it's a central nervous system process. So we uh, are much more attuned to asymmetries. So um, if aging, you wouldn't expect one leg to be weaker or have your one arm. So you look for anything along those lines. Um, you see what's associated with it. If the patient says, I'm weak, I'm in trouble walking. Again, since it's a central nervous system process, I might look to see, are they spastic? Do they have any pathologic reflexes? Mm-hmm. Is there associated bladder dysfunction with it? You have to look at the whole, the whole big picture to help you determine that. But again, my approach me personally, it doesn't change much. It's physical therapy. If I think it's always beneficial. It's massage. It's uh, range of motion uh, exercises, balance, core strengthening, uh, treatment for spasticity. There's a wide variety of things, all the way from baclofen pumps to you know to medications that that we can use to improve the patient's mobility. Okay, so uh, let's talk about cognitive changes as. I mean, this is when the MS Society has said that as many as 65% of individuals with MS experience disease-based cognitive loss. Does that get worse as you age? Well, yes, because we naturally lose cognitive reserve. Um, I say that all the time. God in his mercy gives us more brain than we need, so we have a buffer. And as we age, um, we have the capacity to deal with brain loss because we have extra People with neurologic diseases, uh, neurodegenerative or 
neuroinflammatory, they lose neurons. They don't have as big of a reserve. So their threshold, I call, is more easily exceeded and they can show symptoms easier. They're not going to be able to tolerate what someone with a full cortical reserve will be able to tolerate. So we will see those changes in them sooner. What's interesting, though, is that even at the time of diagnosis, if you do formal neuropsychometric testing, there are standard deviations uh, difference between an MS patient and a non-MS patient. Hmm. So even early on, if you do sophisticated testing, you can identify differences in the brains of MS and non-MS patients from a cognitive standpoint. Oh, that is fascinating. So, I mean, obviously they're probably tracking this and studying this as MS patients get older. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, for sure. So, with their cognitive veins, it's not a dementia per se, or it's not an um, Alzheimer's type of process. They don't have the pathologic markers that we look for in making a diagnosis with Alzheimer's disease. But that's not to say they can't get Alzheimer's disease. So, we believe, for instance, many dementias are present for maybe a decade before the patient manifests it. If you're that patient and you have MS, it may only be a few years before you manifest it because you don't have that reserve. Gotcha. So a lot of the studies that I looked at when researching this um, particular episode, a lot of them were like, well, this was done back when we didn't have a lot of these therapies. Uh, So these patients who are on these current therapies that are relatively new, they're not older yet. So it's hard to know what's going to happen with that. It is. My, and all I can... all I can do is speculate. Mm-hmm. I believe that by retarding the frequency and severity of these exacerbations, we're saving neurons and we are going to delay the, the, the cognitive, the more profound cognitive changes. We're not going to eliminate it until we get something to do that second component. Because remember, that MS, I believe, is affecting the the uh, brain itself, you know, deeper in the brain. And these BTK inhibitors may have have a positive influence on that. Okay. Where do we stand with all of that yet? Uh, There may be two or there's there's three or four under development. And from what I hear, I'll be optimistic as early as next year. Early next year, we may have a couple of them available. That's great news. Wow. Yeah, very good. Um, So we'll keep an eye on that for this podcast for sure too. Maybe do another episode on that. So what do you tell your patients, you know, as they come in, you know, when they're in their 60s, 70s, feeling like this kind of stuff? You know, what's your words of wisdom, words of advice as they age with MS? I don't know if that's changed much because what I always tell my patients to do is stay active physically, socially, and cognitively. You know, stay engaged, but listen to their body. You know, you can't exercise yourself out of that fatigue. When your body allows it in a cool environment, in a safe environment, try to get some exercise. Um, but if your body says it's tired, you have to listen to it. Then you gotta you gotta take a break. Try to overcome the hurdles. If they're spastic, you might try a gentle dose of an antispasmodic. Or if they're having some weakness, you might pick an exercise program for them that, such as swimming. You know that it. Or if their balance is off, maybe elliptical or a treadmill with uh, handrails, those types of things. Try to tailor-make their exercise program. Um, Take naps. I'm not opposed to that as long as it doesn't disrupt, you know, your your sleep. 
eat a heart healthy diet, make sure your vitamin D is good, um, uh, try to minimize stress. Uh, I guess uh, don't smoke, mm-hmm. uh, keep your weight down, you know, just the things I tell all my MS patients. So not a lot has changed. I mean, not a lot is different. No, which is it's not for me. Promising, at least, mm-hmm. yes. As you age with MS, got it. Well, thank you so much. Anything else that I'm missing on this topic that you'd like to? No, I I think this is a um, a very exciting time. In addition to there being now over two dozen FDA approved um, immunomodulating therapies, you know, or immunosuppressive therapies to help with that uh, exacerbating. Uh, phase of the disease. Uh, there's still a lot to come as far as progressive forms, and I'm excited that we're going to be able to now, I think, have a more a tailor-made treatment program for an individual MS patient, depending on their age and what their symptoms are. Yes. It's an exciting time. Promising, promising. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bugar. You're, you're very welcome.